We are going to hear uh, from the Word of God this morning. Anybody bring your Bible? Awesome. Go ahead and pull that out. Pull out something to take notes with. We are starting a Christmas series because it's Christmas time. Anybody excited? Does anybody beat Emily Langibardos for Christmas spirit? I would put you to the test against her. We're going to hear from different people over the next few weeks. And this morning, we're going to hear from my favorite preacher on planet Earth. She's amazing. She's beautiful. She is my wife. And I would like you to welcome her to the stage, Heather Leanne Zanako. Ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's pray for her that she's going to preach our guts out. How about that? Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for my wife. Thank you that she's amazing. Thank you for your word. Thank you that she's a woman of God who knows you well. Lord, I just pray that you would flow out of her and uh, like leak all over us out of her life. And I pray that you'd open up our hearts to be receptive and open for everything that you want to plant inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, babe. Awesome. I am so excited to be talking with you guys this morning. And this is my first time on this stage in this building. So that feels pretty fancy and cool. Um, So I, sorry, I just need to adjust this tiny second. Can you help me? I need help. Yep, that's better. It's kind of wonky. It's fine. Okay. Um, Yeah, so um, I am so excited to be starting off our Christmas series, and I cannot believe that it is already December. Is anyone else kind of shocked by that, that it's upon us? It's Natalie Palmer's birthday. Happy birthday, Natalie. She's already crying because God is so good. Seriously. She gets it every time in worship. Just, she loves it. It's been so fun worshiping with you guys already this morning. But December means that it's Christmas time. And this is my favorite time of the year. And Jen and I, are, we're on the same page. She's got it. And we are, we love Christmas. I love Christmas. I love all the cheesy Hallmark movies. And I got Sling Free Trial just so I could watch Hallmark Christmas movies. Because it's so good. And I love everything about Christmas. And Christmas time usually is the time of the year that we um, make our Christmas lists and we ask for things and different gifts, right? Does that usually happen for anyone else? I really love feedback because, you know, when you're standing up here and people are just staring at you, um, they are just eyeballs on you. So um, I love it when people talk back to me. Um, so thanks. Not that. Um, um, and sometimes at the holidays, we get all kinds of gifts, right? Usually like those nice gifts or good gifts or maybe those special fun gifts um, that you might put on your list. But it's kind of a rare experience when you get a gift and you look back on it and you realize, wow, I just really needed that. I really needed that gift. Maybe I didn't ask for it. Maybe it was not on your radar, but it's so practical and so helpful. It's a clutch gift, and you just needed it. And so this wasn't for Christmas, but Andrew got me this gift one time, and um, it was one of those ice scrapers. I'm from Texas. We do not have these. Um, And so I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it looks kind of like a foam axe. And so on one side, you use it to scrape all the ice off your windshield. And then the other side, you like wipe off all the snow. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Um, so I don't, I don't know what it's called, the ice scraper. Um, and so he got me one of these. And my first reaction is, you know, a little less than ecstatic. I'm like, oh, it's an ice scraper, you know. Um, and so it's, but 
It's a very handy contraption because the first time I was here for winter and I go outside and I'm at Tina, that's our van's name, and I'm at Tina and I'm trying to take my kids somewhere because we don't have an indoor garage. And so I need the foam axe, right? I, there's ice all over my windshield and I am so thankful for that. And so I, when Andrew gave it to me, it wasn't really something that I had put on my Christmas list. It wasn't like, oh, I was really thinking about how much I need an ice scraper. But once I had it, I was like, man, I needed that. I really needed that. And that's the kind of gift that it was. It wasn't insignificant or random, but it was something that I really needed. And so I am so excited as we are praying for what is this season? You know, this isn't just happens every year. December comes and goes. But what do we what do we want to take away from this season? And so I'm really excited to get to talk to you guys about this series. And it's I needed that. Right? We want to look at the elements of the Christmas story and the, even the characters in the story. And we don't just want to gloss over it and just say, oh, that's really cute. That's a nativity scene on my kitchen table. But we want to actually see it as God speaking to us something important for our lives. And he's trying to communicate to us out of his word. And so that's what we want to do in this series, that Jesus isn't just showing us that he came and that he was born, but he's showing us that we really needed him to come in these specific ways. And so that's what he wants to communicate to us this morning. And so I get the joy of talking about the shepherds. That's what I'm going to talk about this morning. Those guys, they have the staff. Maybe you're imagining little kids in big robes that don't fit with stuffed lambs, you know, in the Christmas plays. Um, But I want to dig in this morning into the shepherds and why the shepherds, why did he come to them? Why why would um, he announce the birth of the living Christ to these lowly servants kind of outcasted. Why? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Um, but I, I think that an important thing to know as we read the Bible, this is just a tip for you, is to ask yourself, God, what are you trying to reveal to me about yourself in this story? It's a great tip. Um, so we're going to be in Luke 2 this morning. I would love for you to open up your Bibles. There's actually Bibles under your seat if you didn't know that. Merry Christmas. You can take it home. You can give it away. You can read it every day. It's going to be amazing. Luke 2. It's more towards the back of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's one of the gospel accounts of Jesus's life. And so we're going to be talking. We're going to be starting in verse 8. Is everybody there? Cool. Okay. So here we go. I'm just going to pray for us that Jesus would speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes this morning to not hear this the way we always hear it, but would you give us fresh revelation of you? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with 
the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, obviously, naturally, after such a crazy experience, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Okay. That's a a lot of verses and a really, really cool experience, right? But what does that have to do with us today? What does that have to do with us today? And before we sort of dig into that, I think that it's important for us to sort of know the context of the culture and day in which Jesus was born. Don't you think that's helpful sometimes? If you're talking to a person, you kind of know the background of what's going on in their life. So I just want to give you a little bit of history, a snapshot of what's happening at this time, okay? And so if you like history, you'll like this. Um, And if you don't like history, just hang in there, you know? Um, But a few verses before, Luke gives us some details in verse 1 that are sort of important. Luke is our detail guy. He is the one who always tells us all the little things in the Gospels. So in verse 1, chapter 2, it says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Okay, so at this time, the Roman Empire was the dominant world force in this day and age. And so all of the Mediterranean world was under Roman rule. So Caesar Augustus, who's actually, his real name is Octavian, he was the great nephew of Julius Caesar. You with me? Anyone remember Julius Caesar? Okay, so Julius Caesar actually gets murdered because all the political corruption of that day. He gets murdered a year later. And so Octavian, with two other leaders at that time, Mark Anthony and a guy named Lepidus, just if you want to know, they sort of split up this Roman Empire into three um, ruling provinces, right? And so these three guys are sort of the ones in charge. And, but it wasn't like a peaceful pact. This is brutal wars. There's a lot of power struggles, money, all of this going on. And they're fighting. And these provinces are under their rule. And so they're undergoing all of this war and violence. And things are getting worse and worse and worse for decades. Okay? Decades. And so this is sort of the scene with which Jesus comes on this stage, right? This is the time he comes. And so um, under um, Octavian, he sort of pushes out the two other guys. He defeats them in a battle. It's not important. But um, he becomes the sole emperor of the Roman Empire. And so at this time, he gives himself the title Caesar Augustus. So that's why that's what we got here. So Caesar Augustus is now the emperor of all of the Mediterranean world in which Jesus was born in. And so I think that in order for us to think that this isn't just a distant story that happened 2000 years ago, I think we can really look at this and say, "Wow, I think we have some things in common in our own society, in our own nation. There are some times of war, there are some times of peace." There are some times of prosperity, and there are some times of difficulty. There are some people in power that seem to be moving things forward 
right? And then there's some people in power that are causing some problems for the people. And at the moment that Jesus was born, interestingly enough, it seems like things were on the upswing. So Caesar Augustus, he is the sole emperor, so he's making all the decisions. And so he's bringing some sense of order to the chaos that had been happening. And so wars are starting to slow down. The economy seemed like it was on the men. There's a semblance of peace on the surface, right? But it wasn't enough. The political stability wasn't enough. The right guy in office wasn't enough. Less war wasn't enough. A better economy wasn't enough. And I found this to be so interesting. A first century secular writer of this time wrote this. While the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he's unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearn for more than even outward peace. And I just thought, man, that is a perfect picture of what was happening in the hearts of the people at that time, and I think in our time too. And so I think you would expect that when the Prince of Peace, when Jesus Christ our Lord came to announce his rule and reign on the earth, that he would go tell the emperor. He would go tell Caesar. He is here. But God didn't go to Caesar because he wasn't coming as a Caesar. Instead, he announces his arrival to shepherds because he was announcing his arrival as our shepherd, as the shepherd of our soul. These aren't random people. In a story, God doesn't do random. He is very intentional about everything that he does. And so he came as our good shepherd because that's what the human soul needs more than anything else. He's the only one who can bring us peace of heart like nothing else can. And so that's what I want us to open our hearts to this morning as we look at this story. I want us to hear anew that we needed him to come as a shepherd. And all throughout the Bible, God refers to himself as a shepherd and us as his sheep. Isaiah 40, 11 says that he tends his flock like a shepherd and he gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. This is such a beautiful description of him as the shepherd and us as his flock. But I don't know if you've ever researched sheep. Maybe there's some sheep farmers in the room. Anybody? No? Okay. So we are not very familiar with this sort of agricultural life, um, but when you research sheep, there are very distinctive characteristics and qualities of sheep um, that are actually very similar to us, and it's why he refers to us as sheep. So I think that if we're going to understand our need for a shepherd, then we have to understand ourselves as sheep, right? So can everybody just say, I'm a sheep? Awesome. I'm Andrew's wife. We are one. He makes you talk. I will make you talk. Um, So I'm a sheep. So in order to have a better understanding of us as sheep, we're going to look at Psalm 23. So go ahead and turn there. Psalm 23. We're not going to look at the whole psalm, although I encourage you to read it on your own. But King David is the one who wrote this psalm. And he was once a shepherd himself before he came the king. So he has very firsthand knowledge of what he's talking about, right? This is not just a poetic 
psalm, although it's very beautiful, um, but he has firsthand knowledge of what he's, what he's talking about. So here we are, Psalm 23. Is everybody there? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so first thing about sheep that I want you to know, if you want to write this down, feel free so you remember it, um, but sheep will not lie down unless they feel safe. They won't lie down unless they feel safe. And so we read in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. So sheep are easily in a tizzy, if you will. They um, cannot relax and they can't do the things that they actually need, like get rest and, and nourishment if certain things are not happening. So in order for them to be at rest, then they actually need a sense of freedom from four things. So they need a sense of freedom from fear, tension, aggravations, and hunger. They need freedom from fear, tension, aggravations, and hunger. And it is only the shepherd himself who can provide for release from these anxieties, right? And so the shepherd's job, it's his job to look for places where the sheep can graze. So that's what he does. He's on the lookout for the best pastures to lead them to. And Jesus, as our shepherd, is looking and preparing our life for green pastures, where his presence gives us safety, not in our circumstances, but in following his leading. And I think that one of the things that sheep have to recognize, that we have to recognize as people, is that he can and will lead us better than we can lead ourselves. And we have to surrender to that first, right? When sheep lie down, they can sleep. They actually, a lot of times, eat lying down because they can chew the cud or whatever um, while they're lying down. And so it, that's an act of, of surrender and will to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lie down first. I'm going to trust you first because you're going to lead me into green pastures. And, and I think, what does this look like in our lives, in our everyday lives? And I think that this looks like all kinds of ways and things. This, he, Jesus wants our whole life and our whole heart. And so this could look like consulting Jesus on how to spend your finances, that he will lead you in saving, spending, and investing in the kingdom of God for his glory. This looks like asking Jesus and listening for the shepherd to show you how to parent your children so that they're world changers. They're not just nice human beings, right? And this looks like turning to Jesus, hearing from him on how to handle difficult work situations. Sheep are very agitated by one another interesting. Um, and so we need the shepherd to give us patience. Um, this looks like Jesus giving Jesus our schedule and saying, am I working too much? Am I lazy? Am I not working enough? Where do I need to spend time with my family? Where do I need to invest in other people? How, how do I live this life? Because you know better than I do. And whatever it is, Jesus can lead you. He can lead you. And sheep have all kinds of needs, just like us, only by coming to the shepherd, by trusting him, hearing from him, spending time with him in proximity, surrendering ourselves to him, can those needs be met in full, and we can lie down in peace of soul. 
So that's just the first thing, right? Okay, so our second thing about sheep that is AKA us humans is that sheep are scared of a lot of things. Sheep are scared. So verse four says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So I don't think I need to tell you that we are scared. We are constantly worrying about something, right? We live a very uncertain life. And any hour could bring some sort of distress, some sort of danger, some sort of reality that pushes us to the edge. There are a lot of unknowns in this life. And no one knows what lies ahead. No matter how calculated we are, no matter how intelligent we are, no matter how financially secure we are, we don't know what's ahead, but the shepherd does. And so we can live in a sense of anxiety or foreboding about what we don't know, or we can live in a sense of quiet rest on our insides in the presence of God, in the presence of the shepherd. And so the Bible commands us to fear not more than anything else in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? It says fear not more than anything else. And why do you think that is? Because we're scared sheep. Because we need reminding. Because we need to know who the shepherd is so that we don't get overwhelmed by the things that we could fear by the things in our path that we don't know, because Jesus tells us later in the Gospels that he has overcome the world. He's overcome it. And so he promises to be with us. He promises to be with us. I will fear no evil, not just because, but for you are with me. And so that is a promise to him that he's with us in every valley. He's with us in every place of the unknown. Shepherds do not leave their flock. These shepherds in Jesus that Jesus was talking about, they were watching over their flock by night because day and night, it is what they did. All they did was cared for their sheep, watching over them. Jesus is ever present and he's watching over you in every season, in every moment, if we'll acknowledge him. And he gives us that presence. Nothing else in the world could offer that to us. Nothing. And we need it. We need to know his presence and power. And we need to understand that he's leading us through narrow ways. He's leading us through some cliffs very carefully and some unseen paths, even the dark valleys. He's leading us and he's with us in the midst of it. And I feel like I just wanted to share um, something about, that recently happened to me, kind of a test to this, um, Jesus shepherding me. Um, so when Andrew was in Dubai, thank you so much for praying for me, everyone. So helpful. Um, but when he was in Dubai, I found myself very scared. And I found myself facing a lot of mental cliffs of anxiety and fear. Um, And so I don't know if anyone else has been there before, um, mental anxiety. Um, And so Rose had gotten sick. It really was not a big deal at all. Um, But I think that with him being gone, I couldn't talk to him. Um, Time 
whatever difference, that's it. Um, the time difference and FaceTime wasn't working, so I couldn't talk to him. And so I'd already had some unsettled fear in my heart. Um, maybe some of you parents can relate when your kids get sick. You, sometimes your mind just assumes the worst. You just start going down a path. And so that's where I was, and I just began to spiral. And I was wandering off in my head from the shepherd. And I was wandering out there in my mind to places of what if and a lot of fear. And I just started to freak out. And I'm just being honest with you because I think this may seem little, and, but this isn't just a story. This translates to our real life. And so that's where I was in that moment. I got my sheep brain. I'm a sheep heart. Right? And I'm wandering off to the cliff of an anxiety attack, or whatever you want to call it. And I'm just, I'm praying in my room, and I'm crying on my bed. And what does the shepherd do? He shepherds me in that moment, and he brings to mind a verse that I had just read that morning, which was hours earlier, like how quickly do we wander, right? Um, So hours earlier, I just read in Psalm 138, and it says, on the day I called to you, you answered me, and you breathed fresh courage into me. And I needed that. I needed that in the moment. I needed Jesus to shepherd me, bring me out of fear, back to a place of peace, knowing that I'm secure when I'm near him. That's where peace comes from, in nearness to the shepherd. And so I needed Jesus to remind me and give me truth and bring me back to, my, to himself. And this is good news for us. This is really good news for us. So that's just that part. So we've got one, we've got two. Third thing about sheep is sheep are defenseless, easy targets. So they need protection. They're very vulnerable creatures. So the second part of verse 4 says, For you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So this life, I think we could all agree, is not easy. It's not an easy life. And Jesus says in John 10 that there is an enemy, and he came to steal, to kill, and destroy but that I have come that you might have life. And sheep have a lot of predators that could attack them. One of them is insects. This is fascinating. They can get so bothered by insects, like buzzing and being like on their wool, um, that they will beat their head against a rock um, so it will stop, okay? Obviously, they could die from this, so the shepherd has to come and pick them up. Um, you know, there's mountain lions, there's bears. We, anyways, there are, you get the point. Sheep are helpless against such attacks. They are. And this is us on our own. And Jesus wants to be involved in every part of our life. And that's why the shepherd, shepherds will carry a rod and they'll carry a staff. So they use the rod to fend off the predators. They're actually very skilled at it. So this is not just like, it's a stick. Um, Like they are skilled and they use it as a weapon and they can wield it and kill animals and predators that are coming against the sheep, which is amazing. Um, Jesus is our defender. He is our protector. And it is a comfort. It says they comfort me. It's a comfort, right, to know that I'm not alone in my battles and that he is fighting on my behalf. And it also, what the rod also does is it prods the sheep to give them direction so they don't fall off an edge if they're going through um, a narrow way or if they're 
so that they don't get hurt, right? And I think that this sounds like us again. I don't know if you've ever felt that, that like the Holy Spirit's prodding you, kind of feels like you're getting stuck in the bum. You know, Lord's like trying to lead you somewhere and you're not listening. And he's like, here, go this way. Um, but that's a comfort to know that God is committed to directing our steps. He's committed to making our way so that we go to green pastures and not destructive pastures, right? And life with the shepherd is unlike anything else that this world could offer to us. So we've got his rod that shows us the authority and the power and the defense that we have against danger by the shepherd. And then we have his staff. This is so cool. So a staff shows us all that is long-suffering and kind about the shepherd because he uses the staff to reach out and like grab hold of, with the hook, individual sheep, young and old, and he will draw them close to himself for intimate examination. Isn't that amazing? And this is amazing too. Shepherds will actually hold their staff against the, uh, the edge of the side of a sheep simply so that they're in touch with them. This is such care of the shepherd. This is who our shepherd is. And this is what Jesus wants us to understand about him and about who he is as a shepherd, that this is how he interacts with us in our vulnerability and in our defenselessness and in our waywardness where we have no control, but he is very near to us and he is defending us and he has steps for us to take if we'll follow where he's leading, right? Sheep have to follow somebody. Um, So last thing about sheep is that sheep have no sense of direction. They have no sense of locality, which means that they cannot find home. Nope. Once you're gone, no way back. No compass going on in the sheep head, okay? Um, and so verse, the later verse 3, I don't think I told them this one, but he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So we're just going to go out and say the obvious that sheep are dumb. Sheep are unintelligent creatures, um, and they have no idea what they're doing. And this is not insulting about us, actually, because I think that this is so freeing for us to know. We do not have to have it all figured out, and we won't have it all figured out because we're sheep. But we have a good shepherd who is in charge of us, and he gives us meaning and purpose in life as we walk in step with the shepherd. And this is a real news headline. Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths. Okay. When sheep are left to wander by themselves, to lead themselves, they have no sense of direction, and it leads to destruction, right? Without a shepherd, sheep cannot sustain their life. 
And the same is true of us. Without a shepherd in Jesus, if we are not following him, we have no sense of real purpose or direction. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake because you're made for him and you're made to be in connection to him. We get so lost and confused and we need a shepherd who comes to get us every single time, just like the song we sang this morning. That's, I think that it's, based out of Luke 15, where Jesus says, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. We need a shepherd who pulls us out of the pit right? Who takes us from all of our wandering places so that we can be close to him. Who brings us to green pastures of a life with God, which is unlike any other life. And that he wants to pull us close. He never leaves us and he gives us that purpose. This is who Jesus is. We have to have these freedoms from four four things, right? So Jesus offers us freedom from fear by his presence. And he offers us freedom from our tensions and our aggravations from outside or maybe inside ourselves by protecting us with his rod and with his staff and comforting our souls. And he offers us freedom from our hunger by leading us to green pastures so that we can feast on him, on his word, and on life with God. And Jesus coming to earth as our shepherd speaks to this amazing relationship that we can have with him and that he wants to have with each of us. Jesus says of himself in John 10 that he's the good shepherd and he knows his sheep and that we know him. And this is my favorite thing about him as the shepherd. As I was researching, my heart was so moved as I learned the intimate knowledge that a shepherd has of every single one of his sheep. And this is a true description of earthly shepherds. It says, the shepherd is deeply interested in every single one of his flock. And some of them may be given pet names because of incidences connected with them. They are usually counted each evening as they enter the fold. But sometimes the shepherd dispenses with the counting, for he is able to feel the absence of any one of his sheep. With one sheep gone, something is felt to be missing from the appearance of the flock. One shepherd in the Lebanon district was asked if he always counted the sheep each evening, and he replied in the negative. And when he was asked, then how would he know if his sheep were all present? This was what he said. Master, if you were to put a cloth over my eyes and bring me any sheep and only let me put my hands on its face, I could tell you in a moment if it was mine or not. And if this is just a human shepherds, and these are just simple animals, how much more true is this of our shepherd, of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, who knows each of us so individually and so immensely 
This is such a perfect description of how he wants us to understand him. But do we see him like this? Do we know him as the good shepherd in our life? And what would change if we lived our life following the shepherd's leading, listening for his voice every single day, and living with this sense of urgency that he wants every single one of his flock. He doesn't want one person missing, that we all need each other in the flock. And I want the band, you guys can come on up and we're going to worship to one more song. But this isn't just a time that we just arbitrarily sing a song because that's what you do at church. But I want this to be a time where we respond because I think God is speaking to us this morning. I think God is revealing to each one of us how he shepherds us and how he wants us to follow him. And so I want us to ask ourselves, are we seeing Jesus as our good shepherd? Are there any places that we've been wandering off to, trying to get our needs met apart from him? Where are we not seeing the ways that he wants to lead us and comfort us and guide us? And so as we enter into this amazing season, this amazing time where people reflect on Jesus, I don't want us to brush past it. I want us to get fresh revelation of Jesus as our shepherd and recognize in ourselves that we need that. I needed that. I needed him to come as my shepherds. So we're going to sing this last song, but I want the shepherd to search your hearts. And I want you to let him shepherd you in this song. I want you to let him show you the ways he's been trying to comfort you with his rod and with his staff. I want him to reveal to you ways that he's been trying to lead you to rest in green pastures. I want you to let him show you where he's been near the whole time in whatever valley or valleys that you're in or you have been in in the past. Let him show you himself. Let him show you his real presence so you can find freedom from fear of evil. And let him show you how to surrender to his complete leadership in your life. And if I think that if we'll all be courageous enough to ask him these questions, that he will come and he will answer and he will do amazing things in and through your life because he loves you and he loves me and we're his. And so I want to pray for us this morning. You can go ahead and stand up. And if you feel comfortable, just like open your hands, open your heart. It doesn't do anything. It's just an act of surrender, of saying, I want to, I want to know you, Jesus. So Jesus, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with fresh revelation today. You would fill us with a sense of amazement at who you are as the shepherd, that we would see you and know you as the good shepherd, as the best shepherd, as the one who is worthy to follow, as the one we can trust, the only one who satisfies our soul, the only one who cares for every single thing that we need. You are our defender, God. You are our protector protector, Lord, and you lead us better than anything else in our lives. And you 
you always come, God, and you never leave us. And so I pray right now that the voice of the Holy Spirit would be speaking to our hearts, that we would have a sense of nearness to you, and that we'd hear you calling our name. Come, come close to me. So we love you, God, and we honor you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.